Hello and welcome back to Making Connections, our podcast series providing both informal and interactive discussions with industry leaders on the IT challenges and the opportunities that face organisations today. I'm your host, Nick Lazell, and today I'm delighted to be joined by two guests. Firstly, Matthew Lomprier from BSO. Thank you, Nick. So my name's Matthew Lomprier. I'm the head of sales for BSO for the UK, Middle East and Asia Pacific regions. At BSO, we provide high quality and global networks, data centers, cloud uh, and cloud access services. We work predominantly with financial services and uh, technology sectors, uh, although we do have clients in other sectors as well. And we provide mission critical um, data services for those uh, for those clients. Fantastic. Thank you. And delighted also to have Halil Karma from London Internet Exchange, more commonly known as Lynx, with us today. Hi, Nick. Pleasure to be here. I'm a senior peering advisor at Lynx. I look after the Middle East, APAC and Africa, and uh, I look after our partners as well. The London Internet Exchange is one of the largest peering exchanges in the world. We have over 900 networks connected. Fantastic. Thanks. Today we're going to discuss financial services in a digital world and the expectations that businesses and and end consumers may have from uh, financial services organisations. Customers have indeed heightened expectations for their digital experience uh, in in the financial services industry. And to respond to these heightened expectations, companies are adopting new trends like uh, chatbots or personalised experiences, omnichannel support. That's primarily on the consumer side, but also from a business perspective, uh, the digital experience that, that customers expect, uh, being able to provision services quickly, being able to consume services on demand, is also a key factor of their digital experience. And also we see personalization being an essential aspect of digital banking. According to a recent study, 72% of customer experience leaders believe that more personalization leads to greater customer loyalty. So as customers, whether they be businesses or, or end consumers, require real-time, efficient and personalized experiences, How can financial services companies improve their digital customer experience using strategic partners, ensuring all the while that their cloud and multi-cloud data, privacy and security systems are all in place? Uh, Matthew, maybe firstly to you, what's your view generally on the digital experience that that the customers expect and and obviously your focus is from the business side of things rather than the consumer? Yes, so we really focus on the capital markets side of um, banking. We do have some services around the retail experience and uh, we're very conscious of, you know, people accessing their bank accounts over their mobile phones, etc. But really, I was going to focus on the capital market side of things today. The access to data is is what it's all about, but to allow people to trade, allow people to make decisions on acquisitions or disposals of businesses, etc. And it's really important that you have your data where you can access it and when you can access it to help you make those trading decisions. So a lot of the financial institutions are taking on cloud-first strategies around um, data and data management. That brings in a whole range of issues around security and and privacy and data sovereignty, etc. The cloud providers are very good at meeting those requirements to allow the banks to store and access their data uh, efficiently. One thing that I was going to mention, you you talked briefly about multi-cloud strategies. Cloud isn't for every application. Certain applications uh, still are better in bare metal in real physical data centers, such as uh, matching engines for stock exchanges. The reason being that you have to prove a level playing field, you have to prove level access to information, 
and that is still a technical challenge within the cloud. So you've seen a lot of the stock exchanges around the world do big global deals with Google, AWS, Azure, etc. They're storing all of their data, their market data distribution, historical data, all of that can be based in the cloud. It offers much better access for clients, much better experience. Now, I know of one stock exchange, I won't mention which one, but one stock exchange until recently was sending out historical market data on DVDs to clients. And now it's going into the cloud and they'll be able to access it online in, in real time, which is clearly much better. And the thought of using DVDs for data distribution in 2023 seems completely mad. So that's definitely been improved upon. And I think that will make life a lot easier for the capital markets going forwards. And I think that'll allow much better access to this data. The other thing I was going to mention is around the use of AI and some of the AI services that are fast becoming adopted by capital markets firms to help with these trading and investment decisions. And I guess the access to that kind of data, accessibility through advanced networks or advanced connectivity is a is a key to be able to utilize those resources to the maximum. Absolutely. And that that's really where BSO plays to its strength, which is our our network and, and the fact that we're built out now into all the main cloud providers globally, something like ninety plus destinations around the world. So you can access your data across BSO's private secure network very efficiently. Would you suggest in that case then that personalized kind of banking experience um, is, is really for the retail industry? Uh, that, that doesn't really apply for business to business? It does. I mean, there's obviously there's the business banking, which is similar in a sense. But when you're doing trading information, the main access people want is speed, it's liquidity, it's uh, access to information. I don't know that the interface is that important. It normally comes through a Bloomberg or, you know, Refinitiv Terminal, something like that, one of those trading platforms. So they are always improving their interface to their clients. But most of that is for retail. And I think we're going to talk a little bit more about that later on. Yes, I think institutions can utilize, um, you know, customer data and analytics, you know, to tailor marketing messages or recommendations to their end customers. But it's clear then that in different areas of the financial services world, evolving technology provides or, or can deliver a different kind of benefits. And that's completely understandable. We touched on connectivity, obviously, I think uh, from, from a telehouse and BSO and links perspective, connectivity is at the heart of what we do. It's a key consideration. Consideration, of course, in the, in the digital strategies of many financial organisations. But does connectivity, does the latest developments in connectivity allow financial markets to meet the needs of their customers and their counterparts in the industry? Yes, absolutely. So from a, a peering perspective, we play a pivotal role that's kind of hidden in the background, as we are most of the time in our, our layer two network, as we call ourselves the heart of the internet. But a lot of financial companies are starting to utilise peering more so. There are many aspects where peering really comes into play that benefits a financial institution. Reliability, redundancy of a network, that's really a key element of where links thrives. We can offer resilience across the network for various scenarios. So you want multiple sites or pops or you've got different geolocations that you're looking at. Peering can help by assisting you in reaching that particular customer in a resilient fashion. So we have two pairing lands in London, London 1 and London 2. They offer connectivity to a plethora of networks, 900 plus networks on our platform. So what we're finding is that financial companies are coming in and assessing the huge list of networks that we have and connecting into them on a case-by-case -case basis, obviously based on the business model that they're serving. 
um, whether it's retail banking or cloud applications or whatever the case may be. And also office applications as well, because obviously being in an office, you need a uh, connectivity to Office 365 and other backend portions of uh, the critical systems within a financial organization. Aside from that, obviously the secure data exchange with peering, you could actually exchange that data off the internet and not uh, routing it via the internet to make it much more secure. We have direct private interconnect products, which also obviously help keep it off the internet and just provide a, a direct fiber link, if you like, between A and B. So that's the most safest and secure way of transporting data, definitely, without a, a question. So what would you say this delivers for the for the business? Obviously, the, the connectivity is a key, you know, connectivity is at the heart of the infrastructure and it provides the platform for this kind of resilience and, and ease of connection. What, what, what does that actually mean for the financial institution trying to serve their customer or, or their counterpart in the capital markets world, for example? Absolutely. So I think we're in an age of everyone serving their end customer in the best way possible and everyone's working backwards. So from the financial organization's perspective, they want the lowest latency at obviously a, a low cost to reach their end user to have a sufficient service. And that's what we're providing at Lynx. Cost optimization and improved customer service. That's the main drivers behind a company coming to, to Lynx because they're looking at improving their network. That's what we're doing all day, every day for networks around the globe. We have people reaching out to us from far and wide as Malaysia or everything in between to connect into London purely so they can improve their user experience for end users, which is a an amazing thing that we could do that from from London and being at Telehouse and servicing, as I said, 900 plus customers is really a great achievement for us that is noticed by financial institutions more so now. Previously, obviously, we're very well known in the telco markets. We're very mature in that market space. But in the, the financial markets, we're slowly getting more and more exposure. And that's purely because of the service that we are providing to the end user. So everyone's looking at it from a top-down perspective rather than um, working from the inside and going upwards. So while we may all be involved in this highly complex uh, network infrastructure that sits at the heart, actually a fundamental benefit, you know, we believe for organizations is to improve that customer experience, whether that be the speed of transaction or the quality of the experience that they have when they're engaging with a supplier of a service that they're looking to consume. And we touched, I think, earlier on security. Um, you know, we're talking about the cloud and we were talking about the, the network infrastructure that we're all involved in. Does this kind of connectivity and, and the deployment of these complex infrastructure services in this digital world, does security benefit from that? Can we build a more secure environment? Matthew, any thoughts? As well as ESG and AI, security clearly is, uh, is a massive topic and incredibly important for the financial markets, be they retail or institutional. Without a doubt, the more things go online, the more security you need. Uh, there's, there's no doubt about that. All of the big cloud providers now have a whole range of security um, services. And again, using someone like BSO, you're getting uh, a private secure network inherently. So you're not having to defend against denial of service attacks and hacking and things like that, which you can get over the, the internet. And to Halil's point, when you're doing the peering, you have the same security just inherently built in. So, um, so that's a good start. You're also getting the benefits of reduced latency, much better performance, etc. So it's such a huge topic. I think we could we could do another podcast just on security, to be honest. I agree. Security, ESG and AI are top of the list of requirements from our customers. And I think rightly so. Obviously, the user experience is of utmost importance. But increasingly, I think consumers of services and particularly end consumers are increasingly concerned about security. And it's comforting to know that through the development of the technologies that we work in, security can be enhanced. So it is pretty important. 
Um, Halil, um, you know, you've touched on peering and, and the benefits that organisations might take from having peering infrastructure. How can uh, enterprise customers benefit from digital transformation and, and particularly peering? Sure. So it's an interesting one with the enterprise user case because, again, it's a relatively new market for links, but we do have very well-established customer base in the enterprise world. And A, I think it's, like everything, word of mouth. I think it spreads like that rather than us doing direct marketing or reaching out to them. Obviously, we do that as well, but uh, it's always, I think, word of mouth that, that seals the deal. And that's because, again, we're providing value. So usually there is a problem that they are facing uh, when they're coming to us at Lynx. And they're, they're trying to find a solution to that problem. And usually, whether or not it's geography-based issue or latency or uh, cost, normally it's one of those areas that we come into play at. One particular example I can give, an enterprise company joined Lynx because they were looking at reaching another enterprise company in Ghana that was peering through a ISP that is at Lynx. Uh, so this particular ISP was servicing Accra, the capital of Ghana, and they couldn't get this provider via a transit connection. It was 13 plus hops away. They then came to Lynx, explained the problem. We drew out a, a very lengthy network diagram and uh, explained if they peer with network A, we'll be able to reduce their latency down to two to three hops. So they've dropped from 13 down to three instantly by joining an exchange and going across. And what does that mean for their customers? What that means for their customers in layman terms is that the user experience, the customers on the end of that terminal, in this instance, it was a, a banking case. Those customers can now see that data in a, a low latency fashion, which leads them to keeping their devices that they have and, and renewing their service with that particular company. Because the latency was so bad that they were looking at cancelling the service at the time. So it's it stopped that, which is a great use case. I mean, there are many, many examples. Mobile banking is another one. Logging onto uh, your mobile banking app and many other applications that we all use now every day that we take for granted. For the enterprise cases, it's much more unique and um, interesting for us because there's something that we really have to work in and hone on to provide value to the enterprise customer. So we need to demonstrate that we are providing value, which obviously they then see once they, they join the exchange, otherwise they wouldn't be with us. Obviously, customers being involved in, whether it's a, a part of BSO's infrastructure or Lynx's infrastructure, then have uh, access to a very large ecosystem of networks and other digital services providers. Um, and are Lynx looking at any uh, cloud service provider connectivity? I think I know that you that you have this functionality now. Maybe you could explain a little. Sure, we definitely do. It's actually based in our, our telehouse campus that we uh, utilize this connectivity through to maps, particularly the Microsoft Azure peering service. We're one of the few locations in the country that can assist with that service. We've got a great partnership with Microsoft on that. And um, we've had some really interesting customers come to us to utilize this service on its own. So previously, they would look at links as purely being a peering specialist, which we obviously are. But now we're adapting our business model to cater to cloud customers as well, using our own relationships and our partners, such as BSO and other partners alike, for their cloud connectivity and essentially just adding value. I think in terms of maybe, Matthew, to you, connectivity to the cloud, we touched on it very early on in our conversation. Um, Telehouse are involved in that. BSO and Lynx are involved. I don't think we're providing competing solutions. It's more coming together as this ecosystem to give the customer the full experience or, or the full availability of this kind of network access. Is that fair to say? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. We all need to work together on this. It's such a growing area. Just to give one use case in, in case people don't know about this, but the world of digital assets and crypto trading is very much being born in the cloud. So in traditional markets are very much in data centers on physical hardware, but the crypto and digital markets, digital assets, 
assets markets are very much cloud-based. And so you have to work out how you can get your traffic in and out of the cloud in a private, secure, low latency and deterministic fashion. And that's where links and their service and with Telehouse as well, but we've built out now, as I said, into about 90 different on-ramps across all the main cloud providers. And that allows private secure access into all these uh, crypto exchanges, which sit in AWS or GCP or AliCloud in Hong Kong and various other uh, locations around the world. And they move, which is, again, something that people are not used to. Chicago Mercantile Exchange is in Chicago. You know, I, I know we've had a couple of big moves here, one of which uh, Telehouse has been involved in and others exchanges moving to Italy. But that's fairly unusual and it's a massive project and it takes months if not years to plan and deliver that. If you're a crypto exchange, you could up sticks in Tokyo and deploy in Dubai in five minutes. Slight exaggeration, but it's almost immediate. And the clients have to be able to respond to that and deal with that. And I think where the networks are so flexible to, to do that and manage and understand how people are moving around, I think it's really important. Then also you get to the large high-frequency trading firms and asset management firms that need to be able to connect to them but don't necessarily want to go over the internet. I was talking to a digital asset exchange recently and they said whenever they open up a port for allowing client connectivity to come in, they just get inundated literally within seconds of the port being open. So again, going back to the security, but also having the right network in place in the first place is very, very important to delivering all those types of services. Is cloud there for the answer? I think you touched on very early on that, you know, customers should be or could be or may have to be deployed in certain different ways, you know, or multiple different ways, on-premise or uh, co-location. On-premise is probably a bit outdated, I think, now, but, uh, you know, co-location or, or bare metal that's hosted in a data center, for example. So I think I know the answer, but, but cloud... It's not the answer it's in i guess in the same way that electric cars are not the answer to transportation problems they're part of the solution as is cloud on-premise real data centers real equipment is important uh, still and most people i speak to have a multi-cloud approach so bso has a private cloud that we use for certain applications with clients aws clearly gcp azure etc are very, very important for certain applications, but it's definitely not one size fits all. And you must put everything into the cloud at the first opportunity because that doesn't work. You need very carefully to sit down and application by application figure out should that one be in the cloud? And if so, which cloud should that be in data center? Should it be in our office? You know, if it's an HR system, maybe in the cloud, if it's a trading system, maybe in a an exchange data center. Banks are all doing this. They're literally going through app by app to decide where to put them. And then I don't want to be too controversial, but I follow a couple of people on LinkedIn who went into the cloud four or five years ago and are now coming out because the costs have spiraled. Flexibility isn't actually what they thought it would be. And their predecessors made a bad decision. They didn't really understand what they were doing. So they just thought, we'll put everything in the cloud. It's the place to be. It's the future. But actually, some of those applications should never have moved in. So it's now being unwound and they're moving back to, to data centers. And these things go in cycles in five to seven years, see what happens. But um, certainly across financial markets, it opens up a world of opportunities for data storage, data management, AI, 
etc 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 so um yeah i think it's going to do very well for a long time and it's a similar situation we see at telehouse we have several hundred customers across our campus in in london docklands for example who have physically co-located equipment in our data centers and we also have several thousand connections or maintaining several thousand connections to the cloud from our data center or within our data centers some people sometimes get a bit confused don't they essentially the cloud is a group of servers that are hosted in data centers somewhere they may not be co-location centers they may be privately owned data centers but it all needs to sit and reside in a in a secure location with fantastic connectivity halil any any comments from your perspective around deploying and combination of cloud and co-location and what, what does it mean from a peering perspective well i agree with everything that matthew's said and i can add more to that from a peering perspective we see every dynamic of customer at, at links because 900 networks from 80 different countries so we get a wide bird's eye view of what's happening in the marketplace depending on the model the stage of the business whether you're an enterprise company whether you're a startup cloud definitely has benefits for everyone across the board but as Matthew pointed out, it can be costly if you're an enterprise business and you've been heavily reliant on the cloud and you want to withdraw that data, then suddenly you're, you're whacked with a, a large bill that isn't so great to explain to your CTO as to, you know, during your projections, you thought it would cost X and now it's coming to bite you. So there are a lot of people coming off cloud and using their own on-prem or, or various other connectivity portions, peering, etc. A mixture of everything, I think, is the answer for the, the larger network. So a, a hybrid approach connecting to, let's say, Microsoft Azure peering service, peering on London One, peering in Lynx Nova in, in the US, having multiple sites, dispersing that traffic accordingly, and, and again, focusing on, on the end user requirements. One thing we haven't touched on, any significant impact around technology, you mentioned AI as a real game changer, I think, but what about 5G? Uh, 5G for us, we're seeing a lot of activity around our customer base related to 5G. Halil? So 5G deployments are, are interesting because obviously the, the landscape has changed and it's been a widely talked about topic for quite some time. Right, um, at least four or five years we've been talking about four, 5G coming into play. In central London, you can receive 5G connectivity uh, in all major cities, I'm sure you can. Outside of that, obviously, the, the scope and the rollout for 5G has been a lot more slower in the capital. And that's because obviously the infrastructure needs to come into play, right? So the data requirements for it always sits on the back end. So, of course, you're deploying those 5G masks or whatever it may be, but you need the data servers to reach that throughput capability in order to service those customers at a 5G level, which obviously is now being built in place in various parts of the country. Peering comes into that because ultimately at 5G, you're delivering data at a faster rate. That's all it is. So your download speed is, is quicker. Uh, it's much more efficient. But obviously, you need the capability to handle that demand. Um, and that comes into play with peering is that it comes back to our data centers and our exchange points of where a particular customer is clicking, let's say, on, on Google and they're downloading a YouTube video to watch that YouTube video, to have that 5G experience. That is done across a Lynx platform where Rider A appears with Google and obviously lowers the latency for that customer in order for them to be able to service that 5G requirement. So what that does, it boosts the amount of traffic that we're having on our end, and we're seeing that increase slowly creep up as more and more users adopt to 5G around the country. And those users adopt 5G and access to financial services back to that kind of consumer experience and receiving that data quicker or delivering that data quicker or having a better experience with the applications they're using is a, is a particular use case in the, in the financial services world. 
Yes, absolutely. It's definitely a, a use case. And I think the financial services world and the enterprise world is very savvy in, in what they're utilizing. So again, it goes back to cloud and all the other approaches. They're evaluating it a lot more than a startup ISP would, that's for sure. So the, the 5G network comes into play because it gives them more to play with in, in their artillery. So they're able to utilize that for certain use cases that they probably wouldn't do before. And that enables them to, to do that, which is, which is great. Well, great. Thanks. I think just uh, just to have a recap, really. So we started off, I think, talking about a little bit of personalization and, and really about the customer expectations or customer experience of financial services in the digital world and, and sort of turned that around. And, and, you know, I think from our perspective, connectivity is the key to support all of this technology, whether it's cloud or peering or, or access through very low latency networks to exchanges around the world. And with the uptake of, of new technologies and the demand from the user that the experience or the customer that their experience is better the kind of technologies that we've been discussing uh, certainly underpin all of that so that's great well, well thanks for your time today really interesting uh, discussion thank you very much no it's been great fascinating conversation thank you nick it's been a pleasure thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the making connections podcast and i hope you'll join us for the next episode